actually like what is your phd like what are you taking it in are we recording right now yeah don't worry about it okay <laughs> <laughs> so my phd officially is in exercise uh and pregnancy because okay. i'm in the exercise and pregnancy lab at western but my specialization is postpartum exercise and the impact it has on uh the mother so the maternal health um from like uh weight loss um, obesity, but also from pelvic floor health and like postpartum depression. I look at all these different variables, basically anything encompassing a mother's health in the postpartum period. So I do some research with breastfeeding. I look at how um, the infant mother connection can impact uh, different maternal out outcomes as well. So uh, it's really fun. And then my colleagues and my lab mates are, are doing mostly exercise during pregnancy, but some of them study nutrition. Yeah. Some of them look at, you know, chronic disease risk factors. So it's really everything in the realm of exercise during and after pregnancy, a year before and a year after becoming pregnant. How long have you been doing your PhD for now? Uh, oh, this is my fifth year. <laughs> yeah, so it's no, normally a PhD is supposed to be four years. Okay. Statistically, though, PhDs are five years. With COVID, I basically had to throw out my entire <laughs> third study yeah. because it just wasn't going to happen, and I'd be doing a PhD for 10 years. Yeah. Um, we still can't see participants in the lab because really? of yeah because of COVID oh, restrictions man. and research restrictions. So um, I basically had to rewrite my entire third study, and I'm just doing a virtual data collection. So if there are any listeners who are postpartum, they can be a research participant if they like. And you have a you have a link on your on your little link in bio on Instagram, don't you? Yeah, so at Stronger Fitness, I have my link tree, and it's like if you want to become a research participant, if you want to do stroll, if you want to do virtual training, whatever you want to do, if you yeah. want to just save money on meal delivery services, <laughs> if you want to buy maternity <laughs> sportswear, yeah. I've got it all linked in. But, I mean, I've been doing mom and baby or prenatal fitness and training since I was in my second year of undergrad, like the second to third year of undergrad. So that was 20... 2009. <laughs> I can't even say 2011. It was like 2009. Um, because I, the, the uh, rec center at Western, they built the new rec center in 2007 or 8. And they were hiring Aquafit instructors and personal trainers. And all of my friends were personal trainers. Yeah. So, and fitness instructors. So I thought about it and I said, well, if you guys are all fitness instructors and trainers. That means there's going to be less work for me more, and, and I'm going to have to work a lot harder yeah. to get clients. So I reached out to one of the managers, and she's like, well, if you want to become an Aquafit instructor and get your certification, <laughs> we'll have work for you all the time. So I did. And you did Aquafit? That's how I started. That's I that, didn't know that, that was my start in the industry was yeah. as an Aquafit instructor. That <laughs> that's why I'm very animated. I was going to say it actually makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's how it started. And then during the summer that year, I had a friend who taught prenatal Aquafit, and she needed someone to cover her classes. And there are very few certified instructors like in Ontario. Yeah. So she reached out, and I taught the class, and the women loved it, and I loved it. And so that's how it started. And then. Near the end of the summer, we the first time that Stroller Fitness was ever held in the city of London, I was an instructor for it. And so that was about 12 years ago. You're like a pioneer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, part of it. I was part of the, uh, yeah. the journey. So at that time, I was working for uh, Rebirth Wellness Center, Life with Baby. And because of, of that facility, I was able to really just deep dive into pregnancy and postpartum fitness that's cool but even as someone who was doing it every day there was so much i did not know there was so much that was 
information that was not available to me. Um, this is still a really new research area. And that's what I was going to say. It's something that's fairly new. Like I think of my sisters who are a little bit older, and when they were pregnant, it's like, no, 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 you don't. You don't work out. Like you just relax. You can go for a walk. But like the thought of doing any sort of strength training prenatal was, I don't know. I feel like that's a fairly newish thing. Yeah, it's a cultural thing as well, yeah. right? So depending on your background, uh, a lot of women are told to rest and eat for, eat as much as you need. The baby needs the energy. And what we know to be true through the research is that don't do those things. Yeah. You should be moving <laughs> it, as long as, like, of course, your health allows you to. Yeah. But you should be exercising. And it's 150 minutes, moderate intensity, just like everybody else. And if you can, you know, you should be eating a nutrient dense food so not necessarily eating for two but we say eating twice as healthy because yeah. the reality is during I like that yeah right we just kind of put that's the spin nice. on yeah, it yeah nice. because we have seen such an influx in chronic disease in in like young adults and kids but whatever the mother does during her pregnancy not only impacts her infant but it also impacts her grandchild yeah so we're seeing these things last two generations in humans we see it up to seven generations in wow. rat and, m and mice studies so wow. that's that's just you know kind of like a snippet of the generational generational impact that um pregnancy can have on your basically lineage yeah yeah <laughs> so i mean we should all thank our grandparents right <laughs> <laughs> thanks grandma yeah. so you did uh so you did the stroller boot camp that kind of helped you realize like wow there's a there's a bit of a void in in the health and fitness space for people working with, you know, women that are prenatal and. Yeah, I started going to uh, training seminars for uh, prenatal and postpartum. Uh, like, so I was doing uh, continuing education as an aquafit instructor. I took a prenatal aquafit course and I was sitting there and they were going over some stuff. And I was like, I know this, I know this, I know this because I had done a lot of the research and even when I started uh, working with this population the first person I went to was my now supervisor Dr. Michelle Matola um, because she's like the godmother of this research and we're very lucky to in London have her lab where she's been in for the last 20 years and so most people don't know that Canada actually has some of the best research in this area um, in the world and most of the world and and um, like national guidelines for different countries are actually based on the Canadian guidelines. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So it's really cool. We, we are like the, yeah, the, the forefront, like pioneers for this research, which is cool. And it's because of my supervisor, Dr. Matola. And so when I started working in the industry, I went to her and I said, uh, I have to teach a prenatal aquifer class. Like what can you give me for recommendations or advice? And she said, well, have you read the uh, Parmed X for pregnancy? And I was like, no. <laughs> she's like, have you read the guidelines? I was like, no. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, I would start there. And so I go there and I, I look and I was, like, I was like, okay, yeah, read, read, read. And I was like, well, this doesn't tell me how to run an Aquafit class for yeah. pregnant women. <laughs> like, there's nothing in there about yeah. that. I'm like, we, I just, okay, exercise good, aqua exercise good, but it doesn't, there's no class outline. There's no, what exercises should I avoid? What exercises are good? So that was the big learning curve for me is, is actually um, trying to figure that out and when I did my undergrad and transitioned into my master's I did a master's in sport ethics actually and I was uh, doing a minor in strength and conditioning coaching so I was working with the football team the varsity teams mostly the the men's teams but what I started to realize is the things that we were doing with the football team from a rehab perspective if they had any injuries or even just strengthening perspective I could take that and kind of apply that knowledge to my prenatal and postpartum women. Um, because 
basically what I say is you have to, as a practitioner, especially as a trainer working with this population, you have to realize that women are going to gain weight during the pregnancy. 50% of women are going to gain excessive weight during their pregnancy. So you're working with obese women, essentially. And then you're working with women who are going to undergo a major surgery. So if you're working with a physio for an ACL reconstruction, you're usually, you know, doing some sort of prehab, like preparation for the surgery, then you have the surgery, and then you have your recovery. But with pregnant and postpartum women, we don't think of it that way. And because it's like this natural thing, we forget that pregnancy is a medical condition. It can be very serious. There's a lot of different things that can happen at any stage. And then also after giving birth, that's like what probably the first and foremost acute injury a woman's ever going to sustain to her entire body. Unless you're in like a severe car accident or you've, you know, played major sports and, you know, you've had trauma in that regard. But I mean, your pelvic floor in particular withstands a lot of stress during and after pregnancy and during childbirth and delivery. So we forget that even though, you know, childbirth is natural, we've been doing it for centuries, that it has a huge impact on a woman's body. And it also, from an exercise perspective, we have to be really cognizant of that in exercises that we prescribe, um, modifications that we give, and then even coming back to exercise after pregnancy, making sure that that um, we're really kind of planning out that journey. Um, and that from like a periodization strength and conditioning perspective was what I started to think about. I was like, there's nothing out there like this for women. And also because every pregnancy, every delivery, and then every postpartum experience is so individualized, you have to be flexible. There's not going to be one cookie cutter, you know, outline that's going to work for everyone. But the goal for what I do in, in my business and in my research is just how do we keep women active? How do we get women active? And how we do how do we do it in the safest way possible while allowing them to do the things that they love to do? Yeah. So would you say, and I feel like you kind of hinted towards it, even before getting pregnant, if you're thinking of getting pregnant, is there some certain things that you should start to utilize in your training? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a, a lot of different things you should think about doing. <laughs> so I was an egg donor too, March uh, 1st, 2020. So right before COVID, <laughs> yeah. I donated my eggs. And even that experience, I was, uh, I was auditing um, a nutrition course at Western, and it was with Noelle Martin, who's a registered dietitian. She's amazing for pregnancy and postpartum. Um, and so I, was, I walked up to her, and I was like, well, I'm doing an egg donation in a couple weeks. What are some nutrition points that you would recommend? She's like, well, are you taking a prenatal? And I'm like, no. And she's like, I would start there. And I thought... That makes, that makes sense. sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I know this. This is I'm what not I, getting pregnant. Yeah, yeah, but you're creating eggs yeah. for someone else too. Yeah. So I was like, aha, like even someone like myself who knows take a prenatal, it was just having her say that. So even from an exercise perspective, what doctors will often um, recommend is that you don't start anything new. However, we also have learned in the research and, and the studies have shown that if you're starting something like walking or some sort of cardio exercise, or even if it's like light aerobic training, so like prenatal fitness or something like that, aquafit, those things are fine. It's if you have never maybe lifted a dumbbell before and you're like, well, now I want to go and join a gym. I'm going to lift a bunch of weight. Like that might not be the most ideal. So it's about kind of what do you want your pregnancy to look like? Do you want to be active? What kind of activities do you like doing? And making sure that you build a routine with that prior to getting pregnant. Because when you start to experience morning sickness or horm hormonal changes, or you're going to have musculoskeletal changes, uh, it's going to be maybe less motivating to want to go to the gym on certain days. So if you can make it habitual even before you get pregnant, that's going to basically set you up for a better habits during pregnancy. And we know that women's activity 
levels decrease in the first trimester and then in the third trimester. First trimester usually due to morning sickness um, and just like lethargic, not feeling good overall. Uh, second trimester, we see activities increase again. And then in the third trimester, they, they tend to taper off as well. So um, keeping that in mind, you know, that's, that's the natural curve and trend. Um, Habit-based, you know, exercise, even nutrition, thinking about, you know, prepping for a couple days, or if you need help in the nutrition department, working with a dietitian who specializes in pregnancy, because um, there's definitely going to be different nutritional requirements depending on what you like to eat, similar to exercise, right? But uh, one thing with women, and we were talking about the, you know, eating for two, realistically during pregnancy, you only need to consume 300 to 500 extra calories a day. So when you think about calorie and, and caloric density and nutrient density that could be a large ice cap or that could be you know a chicken kale salad something like that right so uh, you want to make sure that even if you have cravings that you're able to satisfy those cravings in a way that's healthy and that's not going to increase your weight gain trajectory is there is there a direct correlation between you know people who are training before they get pregnant and like i don't want to say the easiness of the pregnant pregnancy but like I guess, less complications and things like that? Yeah, so like activity overall will help decrease and minimize labor complications. And again, that habit of just going, and if it's built into your lifestyle, you're going to do it. Uh, what we know in the literature from looking at athletes, so competitive athletes, is that they are usually able to maintain um, their routine, not to the intensity necessarily, sure. but they're able to maintain a routine during pregnancy, but where they taper off sometimes is more often in that early postpartum period. And depending on what kind of labor delivery they have, um, the demands of like looking after a baby now, hormonal changes, mm -hmm. breastfeeding, those things impact them a lot more in the postpartum period. So if uh, s selfishly, the main reason, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on <laughs> is uh, yes. my, my wife is pregnant. <laughs> so she's in her, oh man, she's going to kill me if she's watching this. Congratulations. Episode. I think she's 20 weeks if I do. I think she's more. I think she's 22 weeks. Okay. Let's just say that. She's due July 10th. We'll go with that. <laughs> uh, anyways, we, we, you know, knock on wood, we've been pretty lucky. Like she did really well during her first yeah. trimester, had a little bit of morning sickness, but it didn't really affect training all that all that much um she was able to maintain her her nutrition for the most part mm -hmm. um so you know for someone like caitlin who was fairly active beforehand there was just some slight changes that she needed to make during you know the first few trimesters um when you're first working with women that just get pregnant what are some things that you might eliminate from their training that they've done in the past Ooh, that's so individualized so I mean, I work with women who have been active during their pregnancy or prior to getting pregnant. I have worked with women who were not active at all. I work with women who were runners, weightlifters, um, who are overweight or normal weight. It doesn't matter to me. The key is asking them, you know, what activities do you enjoy and mm. what do you want to continue doing? So the challenge um, that's for me, not really a challenge, but working with women who are weightlifters or CrossFitters, right? Where they want to, yeah. they're used to pushing through pain. Sure. They're used to high intensity. They're used to explosive movements. And with those women, I really do have to sometimes pull them back. And this is what I tell all women during their pregnancies. And this goes from who, wh who their trainer is, who their healthcare providers are. Um, when you're pregnant, you're in a new health um, journey. 
So whatever you did before is not necessarily going to be the best thing for you now. So we can modify. If you like to do CrossFit, that's great. Keep doing your exercise to whatever um, you know ability you can. Do not do the high intensity stuff anymore. So taper back the intensity. You should be able to talk to me while you're doing your, your wads or whatever. Um, when you're not able to lay on your belly anymore, that's when we eliminate, you know, any like burpees to ground. Um, we start to elevate things. So push-ups, burpees. Uh, I usually go by the, the rule of thumb that the each week in your uh, pregnancy, you progress your um, incline by just like an inch. Oh, okay. So that by the end, you're kind of doing like yeah. more of an incline wall yeah. push-up or, or burpee. But that's going to be safer and a lot str- more uh, less stress on your low back and your abdomen than the full you know, uh, horizontal burpees. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to movements like snatches and cleans, uh, your belly is going to impede those movements. So then you're going to essentially be lifting with poor technique, which is going to increase your likelihood of injury, yeah. right? So uh, with those movements, I switched to dumbbell. We switched to lighter weight. Um, my question <laughs> and my comments are, do you really need to do this exercise? Yeah. Because like, this is a time in your life where you want to be the healthiest you can be for yourself and for your infant. So just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean that you should, but also understanding that if you still choose to do it and want to do it, that there could be a consequence associated with it, whether that is, you know, more diastasis, which is that um, abdominal uh, linea alba line. Um, It's not a separation. It's more of like the fascia uh, stretching. Okay. Um, it could be pelvic floor dysfunctions. You know, you're going to get incontinence because you're doing high impact stuff. You're not able to hold your bladder. There's a lot of stress being placed on those muscles. Um, maybe it, it becomes, you end up sustaining an injury, right? So, uh, with women in the third trimester, there's a hormone called relaxin that starts to become released in their system. We don't know exactly when, cause every woman's different. Um, but it's released systemically. So that means it targets all joints in the body. And its purpose is to help the the pelvic girdle open up to make way um, for the baby during labor and delivery. But again, we don't know what an uh, increase and influx this has at what stage in the third trimester it happens because it's going to be different. Um, Women can often just like, you know how some people can just kind of do this with their wrist and you'll heal crack, crack, crack. They can do that with their shoulders, they'll heal crack, crack, crack. So when you've got this, hormone that's affecting all your joints and basically making you hypermobile um hypermobility is likely to also lead to potential injury interesting so with third trimester in particular we're not doing anything explosive everything's nice and slow and controlled but also because the woman has gained weight because the baby's growing the placenta's growing you know blood volumes increased uh, amniotic fluid all that stuff is is adding to her overall body weight um often women will actually taper back Mm-hmm. the amount of weight they're using because realistically it's hard enough just moving around with themselves that yeah. they don't need the extra weight right yeah absolutely mm-hmm. is, is there is there guidance around uh like how high your heart rate should go like i know you said yeah you should you know you should be able to have a conversation with someone next to you mm-hmm. is there like specific guidance of your heart rate shouldn't exceed 155 or something yeah. like that yep so uh there's the t- uh, 2019 canadian physical activity guidelines <laughs> for pregnant <laughs> persons um and uh that was a uh 
clinical document that was developed by numerous researchers, uh, clinical practitioners, um, statisticians all across Canada. And that is like the go-to document. And that's been the most recently updated document. And now you're starting to see other countries in the world basically adopt similar guidelines based on those. Um, but it's built on 12 different systematic reviews looking at exercise and its impact on um, you know, weight gain, so excessive gestational weight gain, uh, cardiovascular disease, um, uh, diabetes, all these things that can occur during pregnancy. So in there, they actually list specifically um, like relative contraindications to exercise, absolute contraindications. They give you heart rate uh, ranges. So um, in the document, if I recall correctly, uh, ideally you would not want your heart rate to get over about the 160. So say, and it all depends on what, uh, like how old you are and what your current or uh, past activity levels were. Mm. So some people might be able to push that range, but then the question becomes, why do you want to? For sure, for sure. Right. It's like that whole idea of the health continuum as well. Like people mm -hmm. that are, you know, perceived as being the healthiest individuals, the Olympians, the athletes, those are actually not the no. healthiest individuals because they're constantly go, 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 mm -hmm. right? Like you want to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You're eating, you know, 80, 20, you're moving every day, but you're not like killing yourself at the gym. Yeah. And I mean, there's also the, the flip side too. It's great if you want to exercise and do CrossFit or, you know, even, even go on runs and things like that. But there's a lot of benefit in the literature to doing things like yoga and Pilates, which are a lot lower intensity, right? From not only a mental well-being, but also uh, to develop that pelvic floor strength and also just kind of be more mindful with your body um, as you go through stages of pregnancy. So um, with, with any woman, I always just recommend and just try to uh, reiterate the point that this is a very unique time in your, in your fitness journey. And so you want to make sure you're surrounding yourself with practitioners, not only your, your fitness trainers, but also I, you might love your chiropractor or your physiotherapist, but if they don't have, uh, if they're not certified in Webster technique or they haven't done any um, credentials in women's pelvic floor health and rehab, go get a new one just for, you know, the duration of, of the next couple of years, just so you can basically have the most optimal pregnancy and labor and postpartum experience. What's Webster technique? Webster technique is actually for chiropractors. Oh, okay. So it's it's a, a technique uh, that they become certified in. It's a separate course and credential that they have to get so that they can actually do adjustments on pregnant people because um, there's definitely a lot more stuff that's going on around the pelvic girdle and you wanna make sure that you're cognizant of that. And um, chiropractors who do Webster technique ha are able to, and I've, I've heard, um, anecdotal reports from chiropractors and also uh, patients that, you know, their baby was breached and then they were adjusted and the baby ended up flipping on its own because it oh was, wow. yeah, it, you, it has uh, to do with your round ligament. Interesting. Yeah. So it's just like little things like that, that I've like learned over the years. And when I think I've heard ev everything, yeah. someone will tell me about their pregnancy or birth experience. And I have to say, what is that? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I've trained thousands of women and there's, I, you're always hearing something new. And because it's still a really new area of research, there's not a lot of unnecessarily uh, literature out there on certain things. So you really have to, you know, make sure your network, and I have a really great network here in, in London of practitioners who are amazing and who also work with this population. And so we always like meet for coffee and start talking about different things that we've heard and, and what we're doing about it. And we pick each other's brains because realistically, it's also a very isolating field to be in. Um, it, it's not like the community that you necessarily get in a regular gym where you've got people from all walks of life, right? My ideal client, I'm only going to see for maybe three years of their life. So 
during their pregnancy, after, and then if they keep having babies, there's a repeat client. But after that, my, honestly, I don't need to work with them anymore. They can go back to whatever they want to do because I'm going to help prepare them to do that. So, uh, yeah, though, that's kind of my mentality. That's that's how how I I've basically kind of grown um, my my training practice and my clientele. And it's what I love to do. It's so fun because, like I said, when you think you've heard it all, then something will happen. And you're like, I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's really cool. Yeah. So with a lot of the clients that you've worked with, and I know this is like a pretty general question. It's going to be different for every single person. But are there some strength exercises that, like, I, you know, you would want every single pregnant lady to do? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, and you don't have to share them. But this is like a secret. Like, well, I actually can't tell you because. Yeah. No. So, actually, I'll start with an exercise that I don't want pregnant women to do. Yeah. Back squats. Okay. So I see it a lot on social media where uh, there's a pregnant person and they're doing back squats, and my question is why? Um, from a functional training perspective, first of all, when do you carry your infant on your back? You don't, right? You're carrying your infant in front, on your side, in one arm or the other. So I basically eliminate back squatting during pregnancy, not only for the functional perspective of it, but also um, that hormone relaxin. So remember I said it's released systemically, so it affects every joint in the body. Do you know how many joints the spine has? 364. So think about loading um, a barbell or any weight on vertebrae and joints that are already, you know, sensitive, um, more likely to become injured. And then also the musculoskeletal changes during pregnancy because the abdominal wall is being stretched out. Even that deep muscle, the transverse abdominis, which is like your internal corset, that's putting a l and pulling on your spine and that's causing a lot of extra stress. But that muscle is in a lengthened position which is a weakened position, right? Like runners running downhill, they tend to pull their hamstrings because their leg is in an extended, their knees extended, right? Their hamstrings lengthen and then they contract it. So your spine is already in a, a more compromised position and more likely to be injured. Then you think about babies here, lumbar lordosis, you get that ex uh, extra curve. Um, usually uh, women will experience some, uh, some type of hip or pelvic pain, sciatic pain. That means that their pelvic bowl is shifting, right? So why would I want to load a barbell on somebody's, even just a, a light barbell? Mm -hmm. I won't do it. So that's one exercise that I will not do. And is that immediate? Like... Yeah, I, 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 like third trimester indefinitely do not do yeah. it. it for my clients. And again, I don't have research to support that. My, my, I my rationale for that is I don't know if I could actually pitch that to an ethics board and they'd, they'd approve of it. Like if I actually looked at, you know, if I wanted to look at um, back squatting and spinal integrity at each stage of pregnancy, I don't know if it's a good way to look at it. Right. Yeah. So as a researcher, I kind of think like, is it ethical for me knowing what I know to, you know, prescribe that? No, I cut it out. So uh, front squats, so much more functionally beneficial for their core, for balance, um, for basically carrying baby and everything they're going to have to do during and after pregnancy. Right. Um, biggest exercise that I always implement are carries. Okay. Yep. Because if you look all at all types of carries, all single arm farmers, say, yep, yeah, all of them. Because if you look, 
um, at women, if they're not uh, with their stroller and they're just carrying around their car seat, what are they doing? They're basically doing a suitcase carry, right? Um, or, I mean, some people question overhead carries. I think they're really good because uh, from a balance and just core activation perspective, the further we can get that weight from the center of the midline, the harder the core has to work, right? So I do a lot of uh, front rack carries and suitcase carries as if they were carrying their baby, carrying their um, like diaper bag or, or their car seat, things like that, because that's what you're going to see. So looking at moms in, um, in uh, you know, a few months after delivery, what, what kind of demands are they going to have on their body? And then the, the risk of cesarean is also pretty high. So we want to make sure that we're thinking about core strengthening in a safe manner leading into delivery so that they're able to basically get that prehab and then after they deliver, giving them the rest time and then also in, um, introducing them to exercise progressively. Because um, another thing people don't consider, even if you've had a, a vaginal birth, is you've got a, an in, a wound inside your, your abdomen about this big. So, um, and that's the placenta, right, when it detaches. So if you start exercising even in the first couple days, um, just like if you scraped your leg and you started like running again, that, that wound might crack, it might start to bleed again, it's gonna impede the healing process. So you, that's why rest is so important and that's why we stress it so much in this field. Like you do wanna take a solid month where you don't really do a lot of anything. Maybe you do some breathing stuff, maybe you do some light walking, but This is postpartum, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah w once you've delivered, but nothing intensive um, within that first month. And then my number one recommendation for women is they should see a pelvic floor physio before they become pregnant. So if they're even thinking about pregnancy, go see a pelvic floor physio, get assessed, see what your pelvic floor is like. Then during their pregnancy, get assessed again, and then after delivery. Because as your body changes, your pelvic bowl, which is basically like, um, I, I describe the pelvic floor kind of like uh, an, a wicker basket, like an Easter egg basket. You know, it's like all woven and all these muscles intertwine and overlap. Well, this is holding up all of your internal organs. It's basically like the feet of your torso. And during pregnancy, those muscles are under a lot of stress. But how do you know how much damage is done to them or what's kind of like a normal tightness or strength for them if you didn't assess them prior to the weight or the trauma yeah, or the yeah, injury? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that's like my number one tip. Like as soon as someone's like, I'm pregnant, I'm like, go see a physio. <laughs> Here's a list of physios in the city that I recommend. And then work with a chiropractor or a massage therapist who work with prenatal um, uh, uh, patients because again, there's just so many things that can happen. And it's just, it's wild. Every pregnancy is so different. It's crazy to listen to women's stories, but you just want to make sure that you're able to kind of check in and see where you're at during each trimester and then see how you're doing after. And the only way to do that is to try to get assessed as early as possible, essentially. No, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. So now you have, yeah, have a sip of your coffee. Poor, <laughs> poor Steph. It's the only reason I came here. No? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, so, you know, you, you, uh, you have your baby, mm -hmm. you take like a month off to recovery. What does, what does like their introduction back into the gym look like? Is it more so, Hey, let's just start to introduce some light walks, uh, maybe do some yoga, some Pilates, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Or like, what do you usually recommend to, to new moms? Yeah. Again, this is so, uh, so individualized. So first of all, most women will get their clearance from their, um, healthcare provider at the six week mark. 
most practitioners that I know and even physicians know that this is really not a great determinant of whether or not you're ready to return to exercise or activity. Um, because it's like, you feel good? Okay, sure, go do, go do whatever. And then a woman goes back to the gym and they're like, this doesn't feel good. Um, so again, pelvic floor physio, pr number one step. Um, light yoga and Pilates stuff is always great too, as long as again, the, the person you're working with or is, is certified in this area. But I, I like to talk about postpartum in relation to what you did during your pregnancy. So from a periodization perspective, I usually start women with like more strength. And then as we progress closer to the delivery date, we start to do more muscle endurance stuff because labor and delivery can last anywhere from six to 36 hours. So my question is always like, how are you preparing for that? That's how I see pregnant women. It's like, you're an athlete and labor and delivery is your competition day. So any athlete that I have, they compete and then they rest. And then what we do is we start kind of like what they were at prior to that competition, you know, just starting off really light and gradually working their way back in. So I start, you know, strength, like more endurance and then coming back we do a little bit more endurance stuff body weight light stuff only and then we slowly progress to the strength stuff strength okay that yeah. makes sense yeah so uh no because one of the reasons i wanted to bring that up is i think you know you look on the insta world oh or on TikTok, my oh right? i actually <laughs> found something that i was like i want to bring this up during the interview just to like it makes me cringe and i saw it yesterday so um this is the the ad yeah, great. So it says, uh, the workout and nutrition plan I did to drop pounds safely and tone up while pregnant. Oh, no. Yeah. <sighs> Stuff like this. And Is that in London? Sorry, no, no. I don't no. put anyone on blast. No, she, I, see, I, I look up everyone in this industry. Yeah. And she's just, uh, like, a mom that, you know, uh, liked fitness, yeah, was, yeah, like, yeah, did yeah. the Instagram thing. She did the ClickFunnels thing. And, and her uh, website is fitpregnancyworkouts.com. And it's like this sort of uh, language makes me cringe because pregnancy, postpartum is not a time to be thinking about losing weight. And the, the downside of that is if you're restricting calories during or after your pregnancy, during your pregnancy, you could uh, basically be at risk for a large or a small for gestational age baby, which means that your infant's going to be more predisposed to chronic diseases like obesity, diabetes, um, uh, cardiovascular disease later in life. So don't restrict your diet. Um, and then postpartum, uh, if you're restricting your, your food intake in any way, you could actually uh, limit your ability to breastfeed. So you could actually cut off or reduce your milk supply. So again, is it worth it, right? So things like that really, really just make me cringe to see. And unfortunately, you do see this a lot with the Insta celebrities where it's like, this is what I did during my pregnancy. And that's great for you but not everyone is going to have the same experience. And then in addition to that, who are you working with? Yeah. Like, were you training yourself? Are you certified in any regard in this area? Were you working with a trainer? Because oftentimes they won't tell you that, right? If they've got a coach in the background uh, giving them information. But the number one thing is if you're going to exercise, find someone who's certified, who has a, an accreditation. And CSEP, so the Canadian Society of Exercise Physiologists, they, they're the ones who have the guidelines out on exercise and pregnancy. They also have a prenatal and postpartum uh, uh, fitness specialist course. It's a great course. Like, it's based on all the research and literature. If you want to train pregnant women, take the course. Like, if you can't do your due diligence uh, to do it, 
and you're like, I, I'm a mom. So, and I did, I was pregnant and I trained during my pregnancy. Those are my credentials. I'm like, that's like basically saying, oh, if you, if you, you know, you get cancer and you're looking for a doctor, like, oh, like, hey, I'm a doctor. I also had cancer. So pick me, you know, you're never going to go to an oncologist who, who had can cancer. You're going to go to an oncologist because they are a specialist in their field and they're going to help you with this really unique medical condition you have. So uh, kind of trying to think of like that aspect of, of selecting a trainer, looking at programs, honestly, social media infuriates me. And, and there's some good stuff out there. Like, don't get me wrong. There are good resources there are good instagram accounts to follow um but to say you know you should do this uh or you should do that i i disagree with i'm a person that with my clients i'm like okay we're i i break it down into movement patterns so you have your lunge you have your squat you have your hinge and within that realm i have like three different exercises so it's like how are you feeling today do you want to do a barbell Romanian deadlift? Do you want to do a, a you know, dumbbell? Do you want to do single leg? Like, how's your balance today? We kind of just fine tune the workout. Like, I have a plan in mind, but realistically, if she's been up all night because her baby's been tossing and turning while she's been trying to sleep, you know, maybe we're not going to do, um, like, any squatting that day or any, like, really intensive exercise. We might just do body weight stuff. So just being able to be flexible. Um, but, yeah, that's, I mean... Like I said, there are some good people out there. There are, are some good accounts, but in my experience, the best accounts aren't posting their programs on there. And it's not necessarily a cookie cutter uh, thing, but by the same token, if you want to be active during pregnancy and you've got, you know, you've got experience training and you've got a good training history under your belt, you know your body and you're working with a physio and you've got a chiropractor and your doctor says it's okay, these programs might be be good for you because you might know how to modify um, as you go, but you might not eat as well. So yeah. I, it can go either way. Yeah, I think, you know, you talked about a lot too, right? Like no pregnancy is ever going to be the same. No pregnant woman is ever going to be the same. Mm -hmm. And I think like when you see some of those posts on Instagram, which will be like, oh, I did this after pregnancy and blah, blah, blah. You also don't know what that person was like beforehand. Were they like a CrossFit Games athlete mm -hmm. or an Olympian? Like, of course, their training afterwards is going to look a little bit yeah. different. Yeah. Like so. Annie Thor's daughter, when she was pregnant, like I, I watched some of her workouts and people were like, oh, my gosh, that's too much, too much weight. And I actually calculated it. I'm like, that's like 60 percent of what she would normally weight or use for that exercise. So to us, it looks like a lot. But for her you know, it's, it's not really. And so you it definitely, you need to be aware of that. And a big factor with return to exercise for me, uh, when I do my initial consultation with clients is, you know, what was your labor like and, and your delivery? Did you lose a lot of blood? Because I know even if I donate, uh, like if I do like my, my Red Cross donation every year, like I'm kind of not my normal self for a month or two. Yeah. Right. So as a female, like, what are your iron levels like? Do you get lightheaded just doing, like, getting your heart rate up, yeah, going up? What's your sleep like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> your sleep is crap. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And also the hormonal changes, right? There are so many different fluctuations happening. Your body changes so drastically during pregnancy. Like, every everything changes. Even, the, like, your, the corneas in your eyes change. Everything's changing. And then you deliver. And then all those hormones just basically get flipped on their sides and upside down. And then you're trying to adjust while also, like trying to keep an infant alive and no one gave you a manual for that and then your body's like <laughs> you don't feel like yourself you're yeah. like why the baby's out why do I still ha look like I'm pregnant you know like all of these things are happening yeah. and uh all these good things that you get to <laughs> I was gonna say yay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Caitlin, yay. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's just, again, you just have no idea. And some women have amazing pregnancies and amazing deliveries and amazing uh, kids. And they honestly feel bad telling people about it because then you have the woman who, like, pregnancy was hell. Labor and delivery was hell. And then their infant's not sleeping. You know, it's just, it's a wild card. You don't know what you're going to get. No matter how healthy you are. Um, you just, you just never know. Yeah, seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seriously. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed, Caitlin. What are you most excited for? Like, what, how are you preparing? I don't even know. It's like, <laughs> that's the thing is. This is your preparation, I right? Yeah. This is exactly, I'm sitting here just wide eyed the whole yeah. time. Uh, I don't know. I'm just so excited. Mm -hmm. like I'm Caitlin. I don't want to go too, too much, but like Caitlin has always really, really wanted kids. Right. So mm -hmm. the fact that it's now happening is very very exciting yeah. and i think it's one of those things where it's like i don't even know what to expect and i think it's good that i think that way mm -hmm. because that way if i never sleep again which i'm anticipating then i'm gonna be it'll be fine yeah it'll be great well maybe let's go into some of the things <laughs> that i've heard that like people didn't expect i know there's like the book what to expect when you're expecting yeah. but i th i don't think that covers everything especially from a medical perspective so things like um I know women are usually nervous about tearing or, or having some sort of, uh, we call it instrumental birth. So if you needed any forceps, um, epidural, anything like that, um, technically that is an intervention during birth. Um, and the best way to prevent tearing from the research is basically your setting, so where you're giving birth and then who your provider is. Uh, birthing at home and having a doula tends to be associated with a decreased risks in, in tears, but that also varies based on the size of your infant, um, their body position coming out. Um, women who go to the hospital don't realize that even if they get an epidural, they don't have to birth on their back because birthing on your back can actually, uh, it, it actually started because doctors wanted a better view giving birth oh. so and this was like back in yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the early 1900s when it was like male doctors and they couldn't figure things out and so they're like okay we're gonna have you on your back but that's actually the worst birthing position i discourage women if at all possible to birth on their back so the alternative is sideline you can actually lay on your side your partner can hold your leg up and that's a better position for you to birth and if you've had an epidural and, and you basically have to kind of stay in the bed uh, if you haven't had an epidural, you have a lot more options. So um, options being you can squat, you can be on all fours, you can lean up against the bed. Some people stand, <laughs> like I've seen women give birth standing and, and heard about it. And those are all um, good options because gravity helps you. Um, the other thing you want to avoid, and if you can, it's not always uh, possible, but really bearing down to give birth because that can cause more tearing as opposed to just like breathing through the contractions and kind of letting that baby come out in about three pushes. Um, yeah, that's going to be kind of the, the birth, you know, people didn't know what to expect or didn't know that they had options. And also, is there like a correlation between, um, uh, like pelvic floor health and tearing as well? I know Caitlin was kind of mentioning that, like women who... Yeah, am I on something? Oh yeah, it's super <laughs> interesting. It's it's a very interesting field. So what what did Caitlin tell you? I don't even. Uh, I, I was just like, <laughs> just wide eyed the whole time. You're she like, said, what happened? I just heard pelvic floor non tearing. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I understand this. Well, so women who have a cesarean birth think that they're going to experience less pelvic floor dysfunction symptoms. Usually, pelvic floor dysfunction is urinary incontinence, um, but it could also be like anal incontinence. It could also be um, pelvic pain, pain during sex. 
Um, if you experience like pelvic pain, even during or after pregnancy, the, one of the best solutions is actually walking backwards. Oh. Yeah. So one of the things your physio will tell you to do is walk backwards. It's a reprogramming of your brain. So I get women to do that, like do sled drags during pregnancy, but like backwards. Oh. And that can help alleviate pelvic yeah. pain. Huh. Um, but women who have cesarean deliveries experience more pelvic floor dysfunction symptoms later in life. Why is that? Um, because they never actually treated their pel like actually ah. recovered, uh, had pelvic floor rehab after you know, childbearing. So just because you delivered uh, via cesarean, yes, now you're dealing with an abdominal incision, but you still had pelvic floor, like weight and stress uh, on those muscles of the pelvic floor. Um, then with tearing, in France, for instance, it's a country where any woman who gives birth gets a, a script to go see a physio right after. We're not there yet in Canada, but every woman, regardless of delivery, should go see a physio because even if you have a little tear, it could be there's one degree, two degree, three degree, or four degree. One one degree tear is just like a little tiny tear, usually like one stitch. You're, prob you, you're probably okay. Um, two degrees is a little bit bigger. Three degrees is even bigger, and four degrees is like a complete tear. And regardless of any of those, you've still torn tissue and you should still go see a physio. And so um, the sooner you do it, the better you're going to be long-term, just like any rehab, right? Like if as the, the sooner you address it and work through it, the better off you're going to be. And the key with most women that I work with is like, okay, let's get you ready for your next pregnancy. Because women usually see me during their first pregnancies and then I know that they're going to have more children. Most women do, especially in Canada. We have an average of two uh, kids per household. So it's like, okay, how was that pregnancy? Now let's get you ready. Let's get you recovered so that the next one's even better. And just because you didn't do certain things in your first pregnancy doesn't mean you can't do them in your second. And there's women that I've worked with that I've trained completely differently during their pregnancies. And I've kind of had my own little like research. Yeah. They're like your guinea pigs. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Like anecdotally speaking, the one thing, and I have no research sure. other than my own anecdotal experience to um, to <laughs> validate this next statement, so do not take it at heart. <laughs> but I trained um, a couple women who were really petite and gave birth to no, had had children in the past and gave per birth to like smaller uh, and lower weight babies. And I just put them basically on a strict strength hypertrophy training program with me during their pregnancy. And th their infants during those pregnancies weighed more. Like they were two pounds heavier, yeah. giving birth at the same time. And I'm like, okay, there's a lot of factors here. It could be the, p like it was also two different dads. So it could be different fathers. But then um, the last pregnancy, this person didn't train with me. And then she had a low birth weight baby again. So I thought, is it the weight training? Is it testosterone? Because the weight training yeah. increases testosterone. Does that tra like does that transfer to the infant? How would that it, how would that affect it? And really, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. But I think there's definitely something to be studied there. So if there's any researchers out there, you know, you <laughs> want you want to take on a new new <laughs> research experiment. There's a whole PhD in and of itself, but. That, that was one thing just anecdotally. I was like, it's so strange that when you were doing a heavy, like when your, your training was focused on strength and hypertrophy only, that you had a, a heavier baby than all three of your other pregnancies Yeah. when you didn't do that. Intra and it's not like it was the last pregnancy or the first pregnancy. It was the middle pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So, yeah, just something random like that. And uh, so women who uh, maybe have – the thing about – uh, multiple pregnancies and and weight loss in particular like I know we don't want the focus to be on you know weight loss during pregnancy after you give birth 
what I tell women is don't worry about weight loss until you're done breastfeeding. Once you're done breastfeeding, you're going to, over the course of a month or two, your hormones are going to reset and uh, re-regulate again. And that's when you basically want to get back to your baseline weight before you got pregnant. So being active while you're breastfeeding is really great. Breastfeeding itself is, is, help, is going to help reduce um, some of the, the uh, mostly the adipose tissue that you've gained during your pregnancy, obviously thinking about diet and keeping that in mind. But um, statistically speaking, uh, 50% of women will still retain 10 pounds or more at six months postpartum. And of that, you'll have 25% that, that retain 20 pounds or more. So now for their next pregnancy, they're starting off at a higher weight, higher BMI. And if they've jumped BMI categories, so maybe they started in a normal weight category, they got pregnant, now they're overweight, they want to get pregnant again, they're starting their next pregnancy overweight in that BMI category. And so BMI, take with a grain of salt. For people who lift heavy, um, CrossFitters, BMI is not as accurate as, as you know, the general population. It would be for the general population. But we ideally want women to get back to their pre-pregnancy weight and maintain that weight for a few months prior to becoming pregnant. So you know how we talked about prepping for pregnancy? Your first pregnancy, yeah, get into that routine. Your second or third pregnancy, we want to see you from a clinical perspective, get back down to your pre-pregnancy weight and maintain it. If you don't maintain it for a few months, it's like that yo-yo dieter, right? You're going to decrease and then you're just going to end up gaining back even more. And we see that where women like actually follow diet plans, lost a bunch of weight between pregnancies, but because it wasn't sustainable, they got pregnant again, they gained it all back within a short period of time. So that's where... If, if nothing else, working with a registered dietitian between pregnancies is really beneficial because that above exercise is going to be mostly the determining factor of, of how effective definitely. that transition will be. You're going to be pretty active chasing around your kid anyways. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and again, with postpartum, m my area is trying to get women engaged in activity because we see, we, we've seen lots of really great um, research ideas and study ideas for postpartum women. The number one limitation is adherence. We can't get women to actually follow the program because of time and because of childcare. So if they can, you know, do their activities with their kids, that's usually going to increase their ability to go to the class, to adhere to the program. 30% um, of women will drop out because they, they just don't have the time. So that's why I love stroller fitness. That's why I love mom and baby fitness because it's, you're killing two birds with one stone essentially. But even still, you're gonna be limited based on what they're eating and how they're eating. And what I usually tell women to do, depending on, you know, where they're at is whenever you feed baby, you should eat not necessarily a full meal, yeah. but you should have a snack because breastfeeding, running around, looking after your kid, it takes energy, right? Carrying your child, you're carrying 10 pounds with you, uh, holding it all the time in addition to whatever weight you're still holding on to from your pregnancy. So you're going to burn energy. You also want to be replacing that energy with some good you know, quality calories, fats, carbs, proteins. So postpartum then, are you, um, uh, in terms of calorie intake, is it similar to when you're pregnant, around 300 yep. calories more to offset? 500, yeah, three to 500. Three to 500, yep. okay. Yeah. Uh, and then with stroller boot camp, mm -hmm. I do want to touch on that because I, th I think that's, it's a, it's a good little segue. Yeah. Uh, so you have a stroller boot camp starting, or I just saw, there's like sign up, are you full already? Oh yeah, well I opened up another section. I don't – can you explain stroller boot camp to me? Because all I know is every once in a while I'll go on a run and then I just see I'll Steph like, hey, Isaac. with a bunch of people. Yeah, and, It's uh, so funny because all my moms <laughs> that I work with, like, 
Because you, when you're writing, let's not let's not lie to the listeners. Sometimes you're shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you may start with a shirt on, but you're not running around with a, a shirt on all the time. Yeah, so sure. so it's funny because I'll see Luke, yeah. who's another coach here, and. I, I see a lot of like my male friends running yeah. on the trail shirtless, shirtless. Yeah. and I'm like, Hey, Hey, and like high five. And all my mom's like, who are all of these shirtless, yeah. attractive men? that you know? <laughs> It's good. They enjoy when yeah. you run by. So, Perfect. um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, my, my session. So strollers, how I started with the postpartum group, uh, training and I love it because it's just a, such a great community. Um, but I really, I'm very kind of, um, militant in that. I really want you to see a physio like you shouldn't be at the end of your six weeks with me and you haven't seen a physio yet because we're going to gradually increase intensity. We're going to gradually implement more jogging into running. And then by the six weeks, we sometimes even start doing plyometric exercises. And so you need to make sure that you're looking after yourself from the inside out. I can assess for diastasis. I can see how your abdominals are contracting. I can tell if your glutes are contracting. I can give you uh, form tips on your running or, or different exercises. But what I can't do is assess your pelvic floor. And at the end of the day, that's going to be like the number one determinant of your health moving throughout your life. Because whatever you don't assess or address during and after pregnancy, you're going to deal with in menopause as a female. So um, it's just so important. But I run a, a six-week uh, stroller fitness program. Uh, I used to call it stroller boot camp, but I thought boot camp became very intimidating. And so um, basically what it's meant to do is it's progressive in nature. So we start very basic, and each week we just kind of build volume, build intensity uh, while, like, getting to meet other moms. And it's just – it's such a fun group of women to work with because they're already, like – motivated they want to get out of the house they're 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 really excited for this time and then whatever they're going through there's another mom in the group that's going through the same thing so it really facilitates that like community bonding motherhood and yeah it's great so I'm doing uh, six-week sessions I've got them running all summer there's Monday Wednesdays Tuesday Thursdays and then what I'm doing as well is every second and fourth Friday of the month I do a drop-in Oh, so nice. just in case people just want to try it or yeah. sometimes uh, people have family visiting from out of town, like sister-in-laws who also have kids, you know, and they want to come out, bring them out. Like Fridays are meant to be fun. And uh, for your listeners, actually, I already did this, but I made a promo code. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so if they use MVMT, they can save 10 percent off any service or, or product. So, okay. yeah, they can they can do that. But it's just ma basically it's there to facilitate community um and for me it's great because it stays it helps me stay up to date in all the trends that are going on like what's the like must-have toy sophie giraffe is still <laughs> the must-have toy like 18 years running <laughs> sophie giraffe the sophie the giraffe like right, it's like I'll a teething to toy yeah okay. everyone has it so okay. you you have to have it <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's really great. And like I said, the, the women that I get to work with are awesome. And it's really cool seeing women go through multiple pregnancies and see like running into them then, you know, downtown London yeah. or at a convention or something. Cool. And like, you see their kids and they're older now. It's like, I remember when you were like in mommy's belly still, <laughs> you know, um, it's just, it's so fun. And, um, yeah. If so it's, it's once a week or is it twice a week? It's twice a week. And oh then, wow, there, okay, and then nice. there's the bonus class on Friday, every second Friday for anyone who wants to join in. And when do the sessions, like I know you said Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Um, when, when does it like start? 
Was there like the stroller fitness season? Yep. The season starts the first week of April. Oh, wow. So it's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So we usually go first week of April to the last weekend in uh, October. First weekend of April, the last weekend of October. Yeah. And, and some programs move indoors in the winter. It's been challenging to do that uh, with COVID. A lot of people won't allow indoor programs. So then during the winter months, I just do virtual stuff kind of keep people accountable um keep them kind of in that group setting but it's not the same there's something there's a lot of research talking about just being outdoors right right like we know that going outside you feel so much better and uh with postpartum women pelvic floor dysfunctions uh something we want to think about but also depression and there's a link there's a direct link between those two so women who experience pelvic floor dysfunction um postpartum they're 30 percent more likely to be uh like uh, or have anxiety and 20% likely to suffer from clinical depression. Yeah, so there's a direct link there. So um, in that's actually what I'm looking at in my third study is looking at the relationship between physical activity, uh, postpartum depression, and then pelvic floor dysfunction. Because physical activity, if you're doing like low intensity stuff, moderate intensity, usually that helps um, decrease your likelihood of depression or depressive symptoms. And it can also decrease pelvic floor dysfunction. But there are some times where physical activity actually increases pelvic floor dysfunction. So then if you're increasing pelvic floor dysfunction, are you also increasing depressive symptoms? So are those counteracting the benefits you get from exercise? So that's what, that's what I'm kind of examining. Like what what has the most impact on the other? What should we be focused on for postpartum women if we're trying to decrease um, their depressive symptoms or reduce the risk of developing postpartum depression clinically? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh. I just had something and then it escapes me. I kept talking. I know. No. I, s- I saw your eyes light up and I was like, ah. yeah, no, 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 no. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the season's coming up, but uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun season. So I, I always tell women like twice a week is great for activity postpartum. For sure. Like if you can go for walks on your own and do some yoga, that's amazing. But if you can get out for an hour twice a week, you know, that, that in and of itself is sometimes a big ask. And, and that's, that's what we're all about at Stroller. It's just like, even if you didn't sleep the night before, just come out, walk the whole time. At, well, le- at least I'll hold your baby for you or push your stroller if you need me to. It's free daycare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, but no, I think so much of it is the community aspect as well. Mm-hmm. Like I know Caitlin was saying, she's like, oh, I want to do stroller. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, perfect. You can go with Steph. Yeah. But uh, she's like, the biggest thing is just to like meet other new moms, mm-hmm. like people that are going to be at the same phase as where you're at, I think is really powerful. Oh yeah, definitely. And like, again, because babies are so different, but at the same time, babies tend to follow the same kind of like developmental curve. So yeah. it's nice to have that interaction. And with COVID in particular, we see a, a, a huge impact on kids, kids and infants, like yeah. not meeting their, their developmental milestones because they don't, they're not around other kids to learn yeah. and to kind of like compete. Like, you know, the second child always develops sooner because they're watching the first child and they're like, oh, my brother or sister standing, I want to stand, you know, and that's the same thing with, um, with infants. And a lot of people don't know that infants also have their own activity guidelines. Really? Yeah. There's actually activity guidelines for infants. So you, the biggest thing At is- At what age? As soon as they're born. Interesting. Yeah. So you want to limit the amount of time a child and infant spends in a car seat or stroller to an hour. So that's why my classes are only one hour in length because you actually don't want your infant in a supported position because then if they're supported um, on an incline, obviously when they're little, little, they, they need that support and, uh, for their head and neck. But uh, you don't want them like that all the time because they never learn to then lift their head up. 
So we call it tummy time. Your, your infant should always be like flat, either on their back or on their belly as much as possible so they can build up their own little abdominal and, and like core and back strength to learn how to flip. Because you know like banana rolls for adults are hard. <laughs> so hard. Right? So like think <laughs> about if a baby can do that, yeah. that means they're building up enough core huh. strength, then they can start to work on pulling and crawling and then they can start to work on standing. So a lot of people don't know that it all starts with, you know, how much time they're spend in a, in a supportive uh, seat and yeah. position. So if you can get them as flat, flat as possible all the time, that's best. So for your stroller fitness, are there, sorry to keep on going on this, it's just it's near and dear to my heart mm -hmm. right now. Um, is there a specific age that, like, or is there a specific, well, I guess postpartum that you're looking for? Is it a month, two months? I know it obviously depends where they're at, but mm -hmm. do you have like guidelines on your site or anything like that? Yeah. So usually when the mother's clear, which is around that six to 12 week mark, depending on her delivery, um, usually the infant has had enough uh, head and neck strength, but I always recommend even just like making sure there's enough support within the stroller. Um, and most strollers and, and car seats are really well built now. Like the technology's come a long way, but six weeks to eight weeks is usually the earliest I'll see a stroller participant. And then is there, uh, like if someone has two kids, mm -hmm. like two young kids, do they mm -hmm. bring both kids out? Oh, yeah. Work? Okay. Yeah, as long as the kid is okay staying in the, the stroller. And I have women who, I started running a drop-in class for women who had returned to work because they, they just missed like exercise they they still had their kids so they wanted to be able to bring them but when you're working with a two or three year old like a toddler they don't want to sit in the stroller so what we did for those classes we just stayed in one park and then the moms did some running and then the kids kind of just stayed in place so then they're getting me as the the, the babysitter <laughs> yeah. and then the instructor too the coach so um that's i usually say like after the age of three it, or if your kid doesn't want to sit in the stroller then you know, it might not be as feasible, but I do really try to to do my best to make sure that um, the the kids have a good time too. So even if you bring an older kid to, to class, I always try to end at the park. And I try not to stop at a park so that like the kid doesn't get mad, they have to leave. It's like, no, we're gonna go to the big park at the end, right? As an instructor working with this population, you do have to be flexible, but you also do have to plan things out because yeah, if someone bring like I've I've had women come to class pushing three, like they had a twins and yeah. and then they had like an older infant and I was like, good for you, like <laughs> yeah. kudos to you. And then that just shows like how determined they are to to get back into it and yeah. to meet other moms, right? If they're willing to push like a three seated stroller. It's funny. I didn't even think of the running by a by a playground or by a park. Yeah, that'd be horrible. You're just this little two year old and yeah. you see all the swings and everything. You're like, oh. Yeah, I had a mom who brought her <laughs> older, he was, I think, just uh, two and a half, and he loves trucks. Yeah. And you know, at Ann Street, there's the gravel pit. Yep. So yep. I would, when she brought him out, we would purposely stop there so she could just Aww. turn the stroller and he could just watch the trucks. That's cute. Because it's like, the moms don't care where they stop. They're yeah. going to get the same workout. But Absolutely. like for him, he was the oldest kid. And if we stopped somewhere and he wasn't going to be distracted, he'd probably want to get out of the stroller. He'd probably want to run around, you know, and then the mom's not getting the best experience, right? My, my goal is to look after the mom and to make sure that my mom has the best class ever, because again, that might be two hours of their week that they spend with me. And so I want to maximize that for them and give back to them. So it's like, you can bring your kids, um, just let me know in advance. So I I can kind of plan our stops, <laughs> you know. But, oh, so for you, because you're going to be a, a stroller dad. Okay, that was going to be one of the <laughs> questions I saw on your on your Instagram. Are you doing a stroller, like, dad camp? I loved it. It was fun. I th 
you know, I don't, I'm going to say this. It's going to sound so bad, but okay. I, I gave the dads some of the same workouts I gave the moms and the dads did not handle them well. Yeah, no, we'd be wimps. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> like, you guys are like, oh, I feel sick. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I, yeah, didn't, we're not think, as tough. I didn't think it was that no, bad. No, no, we're not as tough. Yeah, women are tough. Um, so I, I was thinking about doing more like a family fit. Nice. So whether, if even if you have a couple kids, even if it's just like the dad that wants to show up, um, I'm thinking about doing that once a week. Yeah, because I, again, with the, with the clients that I've had in the past and the demand that I have from women who are back at work but would love to come out once a week and just do something, um, I'm considering doing the stroller dad. I just don't know if I'm going to do like a, a drop-in again or if I'm going to do like more of kind of like a four-class yeah, four yeah, yeah. pass thing. Especially when you're in such high demand for your stroller fitness mm -hmm. for the moms, right? Yeah. Like, it, I get it. Yeah, and honestly, it wasn't the dads that signed up. It was their wives. Yeah. Like, all of the, like, I think maybe maybe two. And it was, the reason they signed up was because their wife was like, hey, look at this program, you should do it. <laughs> like, take the kid, get out of the house. Yeah. You know, like, just so they, and, and even that, I, I thought it was really interesting because I, I have uh, friends who are um, in, like, homosexual relationships and, and they're experiencing the, the stage where they're like, okay, well, we want to do, like, dad things and dad fitness, but we can't. Like, there's nothing out there for the dads, right? So that's why I started it. So it's something that I'm considering. Um, it just depends on the demand. What I usually tell people is if I can get six to eight people signed up that are, like, committed, I'll run it. I'll run it. So if you are interested, we can definitely look into that because, uh, yeah, it, it's also great for dads to meet other dads, right? Like, it's, it's honestly – yeah, you guys can have your conversations. The kids are out. And then it's funny because the the dad will be out and the baby will be screaming. <laughs> what do I do, Steph? Yeah. And, and, Steph? And I'm like, I don't know. She does this with mom too, so just deal with it. Like, and yeah. then like the dads are freaking out. But it's also there's a little bit more uh, sympathy there yeah. than because they, they see what the mom goes through even while they're trying to exercise yeah. and stuff. And uh, as a parent – you are so focused on your child. You only hear your child. I can have five babies screaming in a class. I don't hear any of them. Yeah. But the mom will be like, I'm sorry. My yeah. kid cried the whole time. I'm like, honestly, I didn't even know. I didn't know. <laughs> Just keep working out. They're going to cry anyway. Right. Yeah. If they're going to cry, they're going to cry. But it's the difference between you getting the, the workout in for yourself or not. So just That's get cool. your workout in. I'll push your stroller. And, like, while the women are doing circuits, I'll I'll have, like, one stroller at my I know, foot I that I'm rocking. I see it all the time. And I'll have the other ones in my arms. I and see it's it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Do, is there a specific type of stroller people should have? Like, I know there's running strollers and then there's whatever your more conventional yeah. ones. Is there, like, one that you kind of recommend to people? Yeah. the Honestly, the three-wheeled jogging strollers, I'm not a huge fan of. Oh, I thought that's what you were going to say to go with. No, okay. I actually, I've seen them come close to tipping a few times. Oh. Yeah, especially with jogging and running and stuff. And you know that the trail, I mean, some trails are better maintained than others. Springbank's a little bit better maintained than Gibbons. You've got a lot of ruts and stuff. Um, the four-wheel strollers are the best that I've seen. However, oh, what? there was, There's the Chariot. I think it's by... Um, she's going to kill me. It was, it's an expensive stroller. The Thule strollers are amazing. They're expensive, but they're amazing. Like I want the Thule strollers cause they're just, they're made for even rough terrain, right? They're, they're good for that. Um, but there's, I think it's the Bob and, uh, uh, it's like aluminum. And so it's lighter than me 
like than any other stroller. And the client that I had, she had a two year old and then an infant and she was pushing it. And I was like, you could literally just push it with your finger. It was so smooth. It, it did so well, but you're going to get what you pay for. Yeah. That's going to, that's the sad part about it. What I recommend is if you're planning to have more than one kid invest now in the two seater, yeah. like hardcore stroller. And then you have it. Yeah, because my the, the bigger question was more just there, there's not a specific type of stroller someone has to have to go to stroller fitness. No. It's like I've had a mom show up with like the bougiest like high end stroller and she was fine. Yeah, okay. You know, like, <laughs> it, was, it was like <laughs> there's I, a remote control. Yeah, like I had never seen a stroller like it before. I was, it was not a running stroller. Yeah. It was not a jogging stroller. Yeah. But it's it, it's fine. It will okay. it, it'll all work. It's just more like how much work do you want to do? Sure, sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I think we've been, it's been over an hour. I know. <laughs> I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> and I can talk to you for another four hours because you're telling me how, how to raise I know. Child, we can do a part. Great. We can, you know what we should do? Well, actually, have you ever watched uh, Ali Wong on Netflix? I've seen her first two. She has a new one. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't watched her new one. But oh, I've seen her those first are so two. good. But we could do something like that where it's like before baby <laughs> and then, and then after. after. <laughs> I'll just be all disheveled. Yeah, like dark eyes. <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's been good. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. But no. who knows? I hope you have like an amazing baby who yeah. sleeps through the Me night too. and stuff. Like, Me too. I, and I've heard women who are literally just like, you know, I let my baby cry themselves to sleep. I let, you know, you have to. There's a part of it that is the infant, and there's a part of the training that goes along with it. But the biggest thing is knowing that you're not alone going through stuff. Yeah. Um, breastfeeding in and of itself can be a very daunting experience for uh, a new mom and the ability to latch and that can be a lot of factors from the infant to the mother so there's lactation consultants right Um, if I were you and I was going to get Caitlin a gift I would get her a doula yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I talked about tearing, sorry, we got onto the pelvic floor stuff. <laughs> um, and then I stopped talking about uh, healthcare providers. But um, in the research and the literature, um, the n- basically the top way to decrease tears is having a doula at your birth. Huh. Because they just are trained in relaxation techniques yeah. and, and certain massage techniques. They're also really great to help get the partner involved because as a male, you know, it almost feels like you're watching. You know, you're an outsider where they actually sure. get you really involved in the birthing experience. So I would recommend a doula. And they're, I mean, relatively inexpensive and they're available. They're, if your labor is 36 hours, they're there for 36 hours with you. And they help you afterwards as yeah. well, right? Yeah. yeah, they'll actually come to your house. They'll cook for you. They'll clean for you, whatever <laughs> you yeah no they'll do people don't know this but they will and so um there's a lot of great doula services i love sweet stella's shannon's just amazing she trains a lot of the doulas in the city and she's wonderful um but rebirth has doulas uh compass rose if you're more kamoka kilworth they have doulas but um even like a midwife or uh, an obstetrician they have backup doulas so even if they have like two births that end up just happening to fall on the same day. They'll have a backup doula that you've met and that you're comfortable with. So basically kind of like, um, not necessarily your obstetrician because a lot of times you can't pick your, your primary provider, but like, uh, with a doula, you can, you have more say in the selection. So you find someone that you jive with and then they'll help you like pack your bag to go to the hospital. And then, like I said, they're, they're involved. Their involvement is helping you stay involved in the the delivery and, and making it as comfortable for your partner as possible. So those are, that's my, other than pelvic floor during pregnancy and after, like, Get a doula. Get yeah. a doula. They're they're amazing We've and heard they're that so from helpful. A few people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. So much so much to think of. 
Well, I hope we like checked a few things off the list. Is there anything else? No, this is really good. This yeah, is, yeah. Th- the big piece for me was uh, like wanting to get a good understanding of, you know, prenatal and postpartum mm-hmm. um, fitness and how that's related. Want to talk about stroller, which was a big thing. Mm-hmm. And then just hear your wealth of knowledge. Because yeah. I know like this is an area that you're so passionate about and you can definitely tell that when you're speaking about yeah, it. Yeah. So It was uh, funny. I was telling Isaac, for everyone who's listening, uh, to prep for this interview, I just started reading my dissertation. I was <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay, let me know some of the stats again. So at least when I say things, I actually yeah. have some numbers that are attached to the, the comments and statements I'm making. But uh, I mean, yeah, it, again, it's just, it's such a cool crazy fun time in someone's life and some women their experience isn't super great and some women have amazing experiences and it's it's you're never going to know what that is until you go through it so I mean as a partner supporting someone through this like good job like I I think you're probably crushing it but always like feel free to reach out like there's definitely um one thing to like childbirth ed classes and just kind of prepping yourself for what yeah. might happen because it might be difficult to see your partner, the one you love in so much pain or in so much discomfort and really feeling helpless that you want to make sure that you're kind of prepped. And that's why I say like doulas are great, but I hope that you feel like more confident with some of the, uh, the stages of pregnancy and kind of like Definitely. what she's going through and yeah, what, yeah. what to expect. Yeah. I think that's actually probably would be the one thing I'm most worried about is obviously like I love, my wife so much seeing her go through that much pain like mm-hmm. oh man that's going to be i think the the most difficult part for me yeah. but we'll get through it yeah we'll get you, through uh, it you, we'll guys, s- you have to baby's yeah, gonna it. baby's it's gonna come either out. way <laughs> it's coming out yeah i was talking to caitlin the other day i'm like because obviously she's been reading a ton on you know what to expect and things like this mm-hmm. and i'm like do you ever like are you ever scared like mm-hmm. of, of delivering she's like no it's like it's just it's going to come out no matter Mm -hmm. what right so you just need to kind of know that going into it but yeah um she's killing it she's doing really well awesome yeah good so happy to hear it so we're gonna have to have you back on yeah uh my thought would be is you know we can get a bunch of questions from some of our expecting moms some of our new moms and then we can go through and answer those but yeah i think that would be great actually if you can have people submit some questions or do any survey i can do a poll on my instagram as well like it would be interesting to hear from dads too like as as a dad you know what kind of things are you nervous about or or not expecting but then also from the a female perspective like how how did everything go was it what you expected right it's cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy day. I really no do worries. appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be here. Awesome. Good to see you. Thank you. <laughs>